0: What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the self Disruption Podcast, where we talk about lifelong learning, leadership, and innovation with the top minds in their field today. Brought to you by SEAC, a global leader in lifelong learning and innovation. Check them out at seasiacenter.com. I've got all their details down in the show notes. I'm your host, Dana Blue, and in this episode, I talk with Dan Toma. He's an innovation specialist and the co-author of The Corporate Startup. Dan and I get into a conversation about how corporations can actually become more agile by treating internal teams as startups. It's that agility that allows them to innovate and become disruptive in their industry. We get into the basics of the stages of Dan's system and talk about how corporations can actually take action and make themselves more innovative and start to approach their work from a startup perspective. One of the interesting parts that we talk about here is actually adding limitations to your innovative ideas at the strategy phase. This allows you to focus your innovative energy and not waste time going off on tangents. There's a lot to unpack here. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. Dan, I wanna thank you for taking the time and to talk to me. I know we're kind of in the middle of a a busy day with innovators here at, at the center. So you taking the time to step away and talk to me is fantastic. Now, you wrote the book, The Corporate Startup. Talk to me about that, because I think especially today, we're here with the Innovators Conference. A lot of people are interested in that kind of corporate startup world. So run me through the book's concept and some of the key takeaways there.
1: Right, um, I actually co-authored the book, so it's not just only my creation. There's uh, two other folks that were that were involved. Your uh,
0: card here says the author, not the co. author You're I'm lying to, to, to me, Dan. You're lying to me. I'm sorry. I need to <laughs> read you
1: all my all my all, all my business. You're cards, all good. You're good. Uh, which is actually very easy because yeah. it's just handwritten <laughs> business are, cards. Are they? So handwritten?
0: No, they, they look handwritten, but they are they are handwritten. Really? They are handwritten. Wow. I
1: just took a picture of it and just uh, put it on uh, put it on a website and have it printed because I'm a terrible designer.
0: <laughs> so who are your co-authors? Let's start with that. So
1: um we're working with I uh, was working with with Esther. Esther is uh Amsterdam based. She's a visual thinker. Mm-hmm. Uh she helped a lot with the illustrations mainly, but also nice. she's done a lot of heavy lifting in the content part. And then with uh, with Tendai. Tendai is 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 an amazing character. Uh if you have a chance to interview him, definitely go for it. Mm. Uh he's uh, he's he was born in Zimbabwe, lives in lives in uh London. He's a professor of psychology wow. that transitioned into business. He's a very cool character. Cool. So, yeah, we uh, we actually met. I met I met Tendai at a conference in in Manchester when I presented a draft to him. And he's like, let's join forces and write this together. And uh, we actually wrote it three or four times before it actually ended up being what it is today. Yep. And I think why that happened was that we were basically recording our experiences. Mm-hmm. So it was not just... Two people writing about wishful thinking, but more like recording what what we've done with various clients, various industries, um, what worked, what hasn't. We put it in a nice format. So the book came out in March of 2017. We went for a crowdfunding campaign. Mm. Um, and... Um, Last year, f- February of 2018, we got awarded uh, Management Book of the Year Award by CMI and the British Library. Yeah. Very, very prestigious award. We, I, I was personally very surprised and, of course, honored to, mm. to get that. Now the book has a translation in, uh, in Indonesian, Dutch, and obviously the English in was the, the original language we, we wrote it in. So even that you're German, right? I am not German. You're not I but you live in Germany. I live in Germany. Yes, I've been living there for 8 years. So where where are you from originally? I was born in Romania. Okay. Yeah, and I I've, I've lived in six countries so far. So nice. it, I'm very confused whenever I'm asked <laughs> where where you're from. So what language mm. do you think in? Uh, it's I I think I think in English most of the time oh, to be honest with you English and Romanian probably I'm, I'm using most frequently sometimes I catch myself translating English words in Romanian to express myself better <laughs> and and the opposite right translating from from Romanian to English oh
0: interesting yeah so l- let's get into the corporate startup what what is the book real what's it about I know it's called the corporate startup. But What's it, what's it about? So
1: what's about, it's about basically the changes that, that large organizations need to make in order to be able to compete in, in a volatile environment, right? In, in an environment where they see their market share disappear in front of much nimbler competitors like startups. Mm. And uh, basically they need to go for changes because just, just adopting the methodologies and the tools that the startups use one-on-one in their in their ranks, it won't work.
0: Is that a cultural issue, a, a corporate culture issue? Um,
1: it touches on culture, obviously, but it's just the fact that large organizations, not a startup, they have they have assets and processes that that help them to achieve hmm. the the success that they have achieved in the past, and they need to sustain that. They need to still sustain the brand. They still need to a brand is very important. How yeah. do you do innovation that might fail under a brand, which is probably your biggest non-tangible asset
0: yeah whereas the brand for a startup it might be about failure it might be about iteration I right exactly
1: and then and then the next time next time you're going to do it you change the brand you kind of like adjusted the product you, you burned the brand let's like create another one but mm. the product kind of like stays the same or at least you iterated on it so it's
0: you know you talked about the agility i i had a chance to do a fireside chat three years ago with a hero who is the at the time the ceo of yamaha ventures in silicon valley and we were talking about the agility of companies and my background was from telecom i worked for a very big mso in the u.s and there's a a big lack of agility with a big telecom or, or any big organization he said one of the funniest things to me he said that his mandate when he left japan to go to silicon valley and start yamaha ventures was to make a dinosaur
1: dance that's the title of my, my opening keynotes at conferences. Really? Is that I'm teaching dinosaurs to start dancing. <laughs> so it,
0: it's true. I mean, from
1: it when is. you talk about the
0: corporate startup, that's almost what you have to be
1: doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, they can do it. Mm. They they can do it, right? They just need to flex their muscles. There's there's so many good examples. of there of, mm. of corporations that were able to launch creative, uh, creative new ventures, right? Microsoft is is a good example, right? They've they've been I changing. I don't know if I've ever heard of them. What, what? No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a small company out of Seattle. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like there's there's so many other examples, right? IBM is again, it's a very interesting example. They've changed their business model so many so many times over over the past fifty years. People should study those more.
0: Yeah, and I, I do look at Microsoft quite a bit. Maybe like two, three years ago, I actually was doing some research on a few different technologies, and I found out how, specifically in the IoT space, not knowing how involved Microsoft was in the IoT space, and then finding going down that rabbit hole and finding out that they're in everything, and you just never hear about it.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. They're they're a brilliant company to go and study, right? Like
0: there's, My friend was just talking to me before we came down here. He was chatting with me about he just bought a Surface Pro. And I remember reading that the Surface computer actually started out as like a, a coffee table that they were working on.
1: I remember that. Yeah. I remember that.
0: That was the actual conception of the Surface Pro. And now it's a, a viable product. They scrapped the coffee table, though, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. It would have been cool. Yeah, so basically in the corporate startup we're looking we're looking at the changes that that the organization needs to make across the board. So not just how do you build a lab, but how do you build a lab and connect it with everything else? Mm-hmm. How do you create your strategy? Basically we're dividing the word strategy into into strategy, uh, sorry, the word innovation into into um innovation strategy. Mm-hmm. How do you do your strategy for your I- for for innovation and how do you connect that with your core business strategy and with your goals? Then we're looking at uh, innovation management, how do you manage innovation? Mm. And last but not least, we're, we're looking at how do you practice innovation mm. right? the tactical level. So the book is actually divided in two parts, is ecosystem and practice. Mm-hmm. Practice part is actually for the product owners, for the people in the trenches, mm. fighting fighting the good fight every day. Mm-hmm. And the first part on innovation is, is for senior executives on how do you create the environment for the people in the trenches to actually win those battles.
0: So so give me don't give away all the meat and potatoes of, of the book but kind of string it together for me if you will strategy to management to execution.
1: Right. So first first thing you need to do you need to set up a, a direction for your innovation effort. Mm-hmm. No matter which industry you're on, no matter no matter how how big your company is Set up a, a clear direction, mm. right? Um, create create a what we call innovation thesis. Mm-hmm. What are we going to innovate on? And I think even more important, and uh, this is the work I've been doing with, with, with my clients, is, is create an innovation anti-thesis. What we're not going to do. Oh. Like, like Be very specific about the things you're not going to do. So eliminate choice. Exactly. Because it focuses you. Otherwise, you're going to throw in everything and the kitchen sink. Yeah. right, And you don't want that then if you, if if you're very broad the people in the ranks are going to behave like kids at the candy store oh i want that and i want that oh drones are nice and vr is nice and blockchain is nice how does this all fit with our fast mover consumer goods or even even worse with with our aircraft um, you know manufacturing line <laughs> that we have
0: so the worst thing you could do is say i like that 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 and that we'll figure it out as we go
1: exactly exactly so, so Create create clear boundaries to your innovation because because boundaries and constraints work together with innovation and creativity, mm. right? They they work hand in hand. After you create this, then look at your portfolio and start understanding where do you need to place those bets against your against your your thesis, right? Mm-hmm. After you create the direction, then go do it. Practice practice innovation. No, create that startup teams. Go invest in those 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 startups. Right. Build those products. Improve everything that has to do with that. And then you have a management system that's able now to go and see if if those small bets that, that you you made are actually are actually yielding any 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 dividends. Mm. Right? Feeding back the machine with with know-how from the market with validated learning that the initial strategy that that, that you created is actually true. Create that customer feedback loop for the exactly because because what you're actually doing in the customer feedback loop, like you're you're learning if your strategy was correct, mm-hmm. and if it's correct, go back and, and double down on that. If it's not, fine. So now the question is for for most organizations is how fast can you run that loop? Mm-hmm. Can you run it in six months, three months, one year? Well, now do you find
0: that? is it different for everyone or is there kind of an optimal time that you want an organization to get to?
1: I think, I think it's, it's, it's very individual, very individual focused, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very specific to the peculiarities of, Each industry, each company, each geography. Mm -hmm. You can't ask a bank to be as fast as a fast mover consumer good company, and you can't ask a company that's doing aerospace to be as fast as somebody doing retail.
0: Yeah, I would hope not, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I'd be really worried of like, hey, our new jet, we just designed it in three weeks with consumer feedback. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you want to try it? You want to (laughs) hop on it? No. (laughs) No thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I think these things are not are not industry or company agnostic mm. but on the contrary they they should be very specific tailored to to the company and I think every every company should find their own pace.
0: How long does that generally take? Cuz I, I would imagine sometimes the pace in larger companies not always but there are times that it could be quite slow or they could already think it's fast and when in reality it's not.
1: In general, I encourage, I encourage the people to look at, their, uh, at the speed of, of change in, tec- in, in the technology that they're using, mm. right? If you're a fast-mover consumer good company, look at your main technology, right? Is it mobile? Is it whatever? Mm. You need to match the speed of that particular technology. Okay. If you're doing aerospace, well, your technology cycles are a bit longer.
0: Considerably.
1: Considerably longer. So mm. you need to match those.
0: Uh, it makes sense. I guess you, you want to be in sync with the industries that are, are not just your core, but also on your peripheral, right?
1: Exactly, your adjacencies.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be an app developer developing for three iterations down next phone, right? You want to be what's now and what's coming out. Mm-hmm.
1: That's that, that's the idea.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Have you worked with a lot of companies that you might have found that they were out of sync with those industries, their adjacencies and their core?
1: I think most of the companies that reach out to me have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that, why, they're that's, why, that's why they're reaching out. That's why they're reaching out to me. I, I haven't had any any super successful company reaching out to me for you know just for giggles. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> can you come over and do a keynote because we're so good and we want to hear how good we are. <laughs> or, or they might <laughs> just be looking
0: for a different a different avenue, right? No. If y- you if you're that, good. So, I mean, so if, if a company is that good, they might be looking for oh well, let's just explore other options.
1: Yeah, I it it never happened to me. Usually, I'm usually I'm I'm working with the dinosaurs or the elephants, trying to help them dance. Exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly.
0: Nice. Yeah, so I, I think it's really, really an interesting methodology. Especially, I like that you talked about the antithesis. Antithesis. God, I can't <laughs> I can't talk right now. I shouldn't have eaten that lettuce roll. Um, <laughs> I'll blame it on that. But I, I really like that you talked about limits and applying limits to. What you're doing on the innovation side because it does it does help focus a lot of times even from a creativity perspective perspective sometimes you add limits on what you're doing and it pushes you further.
1: yeah, the more constraints you add, the more creative you're forcing the people to be mm. right Of course, at one point you're just added too too many constraints and then people are, are just numb by that they can't they, they can no longer move but add uh, a good amount of constraints. And then people will start being created. So the constraints carry from the strategy side
0: all the way through to practice? So do you apply those same in management, those same exact constraints in practice?
1: Pretty much, pretty much. And and those constraints need to be in sync with with the aspirations of the company. They Hmm. need to be in sync with, with, with the stakeholders and everything that has to do with vision, mission, and... Everything that has has to do with defending that core and defending what the company stands for.
0: Mm. So you really have to be in line with those core values. I, I think we see that in in yeah. everything in business, right? You don't want to be. I, I remember when Google first started to get big, everyone made a big deal of their their core va- their core mission statement was "do no evil," and now it's it's funny to see people respond and some of the memes they make with that, given the the privacy issues and everything exactly. that's come along, right?
1: Yeah. Right. So, b- part of their antithesis should be should be exactly that. Do mm. no do no evil. We don't want We don't want to harm people. Yeah. And w- everything you do, innovation wise, and and outside, needs to be funded on the idea of do no evil.
0: Now, with the, some of the bigger companies that you've worked with, do, have you found when we talked about making you said you even start your your um keynotes with making the dinosaur dance right, or making the elephant dance does each company approach that agility in a different way or do you kind of have a set methodology from the book that you try to apply
1: no I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to be very flexible I, I was just explaining in uh, in an address this morning here at the conference that um, you know everybody should find their own way mm. and uh, they should not they should not be dogmatic about about corporate innovation and they should not be dogmatic about about the processes or what not don't just don't just copy what Spotify has done mm-hmm. go go there Get inspired from, from from Spotify or from Amazon or whatnot. But make it fit. Exactly. Bring it back and make it fit. Hmm. Ma- make it fit. Ma- con- contextualize your learning.
0: I think it's super important. I mean, and we were talking right before we started about you still have a big connection to Asia. You've worked here quite a bit. And you live in Germany from Romania, right? Contextualizing culturally is big too, especially you see these companies that work in different countries.
1: Yeah. Context is important. A hundred percent. I remember uh, probably the first week when I was uh, was working in Vietnam. I was working economic aid there, trying to help develop the national innovation ecosystem, startup mm. ecosystem of, of of the country. That was in 2015, and the first thing we've learned the hard way was what does um, what does maybe later mean. Mm. Right in, uh, and in Vietnam, maybe later means no, <laughs> <laughs> and we learned that the the hard way. We were asking some some folks on the team to help us with something, and they said like, yeah, maybe later. And of course, me and and Nick from from San Francisco are like, okay, so probably they're not gonna do that. they're Probably gonna do it tomorrow yeah. or the day after. And then one week later, we were checking back. So about the thing, I asked you, have you have you looked into it? Oh no, I haven't had time, but maybe later. And then we're asking, we're asking people in the office that have been in the country for longer than four days. Yep. And um, everybody's so like, what did they say? Maybe later, oh that means they're not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Context is king, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that we learned it the hard way.
0: <laughs> Dan, I, I want to thank you for taking a little bit of time to come down and talk to me about the book. What you go, what you have going on, and the book is available where right now?
1: So usually you can buy it on Amazon. If okay. it doesn't if it doesn't distribute here in, in Southeast Asia, you can always go for the ebook version. Okay. we are setting up a distribution channel uh, here in in Southeast Asia too, starting probably spring of this year.
0: You said what languages is it in right so now? So
1: now it's English, Dutch, and Indonesian. And we have Japanese and and Vietnamese lined up for this year, but I don't have release dates on those.
0: Great, great reach just with those languages, right?
1: Yeah. Dan, thank you so
0: much, man. Guys, check it out. I'll have all the links down below in the show notes for the book for Dan. You guys will be able to get in touch with him. Check out the book. It sounds awesome to me, this whole concept of the strategy, the way you split it up. I, I love anything that is a a very systematic approach to innovation that companies can apply. Guys, check that out. Dan, thanks again.
1: Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to the self Disruption Podcast, brought to you by SEAC. To find amazing resources on lifelong learning, leadership, and innovation, you can check them out at seasiacenter.com, as well as their links in the show notes. And for more great conversations like this one, you can find our archive at self